Welcome back to Free Indeed. Thanks for joining me again, or us, I should say. Thanks for joining us. I have another special guest episode for you. Welcome back, my good friend and familiar guest, Garrett Marshall. What's up, guys? Hey, thanks for coming back, Garrett. Um, We're going to get into some really good things tonight. Uh, Garrett is going to elucidate on some topics for, uh, for us to bring some encouragement some knowledge whereas maybe uh, we we don't know certain things when it comes to certain spiritual aspects of this Christian walk and for some of you maybe you already know some of this uh, for others maybe a first time hearing it but just uh, sit back grab a hot cup of coffee tea something enjoy it and uh, I'm gonna start off with a little prayer real quick okay well Lord we thank you for this time we pray you would bless the ears of those listening. Bless us, Father, as we as we work out on this uh, episode. We pray that you would speak to us and through us. We pray your wisdom, your knowledge, and what you want to say today through these topics, God, would just shine a light uh, for those listening and us, Father. Anything that somebody needs right now as they listen to this, God, let it touch their hearts. Let it bring freedom. And that we could walk after this episode a little bit taller, a little more confidently, Father God, in what you've called us to do and who you made us to be. We we thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 All right, man. Well, go ahead and uh, kick it off with the first topic that you want to dive into. Cool, man. So I wanted to to go into uh, the authority of believers and spiritual warfare, and we, we know there's there's a whole range of callings and anointings um, and ministries. Uh, but one thing that's pretty uh, across the board for all believers is is warfare, right? We're we're in a, a spiritual reality in a physical world, and the enemy is real. And every Christian at some point is going to be attacked or come under some sort of attack. And not a lot of Christians want to engage in spiritual warfare or really know how to. Um, and, and a lot of that's that's sometimes out of fear or just, you know, out of sight, out of mind. But I, I wanted to kind of speak to the authority of a believer and, and the, the equipping um, and the what, what the cause of Christ and his sacrifice and resurrection, what all that meant for us. And, you know, going back into the Old Testament a bit and some, some into the New Testament as the uh, kind of the uh, the points of how humankind interact, interacted with the spiritual realm shifted a bit, or how the spiritual realm interacted with, with mankind. Um, so first and foremost, uh, when it comes to the authority of a believer as, as Christians in the New Testament era, um, Christ 
won back all authority that hell had, right? All the authority that Adam gave to the devil when he, he chose to pursue after Eve and to sin rather than follow and obey God. That's all been restored. Um, the, the law of sin and death, which is a very Old Testament law, the, the, the veil that stood between man and God, which was sin, has been torn from top down from heaven to earth through the actions of Christ, and therefore every believer is empowered to engage in spiritual warfare, to fight and have a, a standing fight against the enemy. Um, but that comes out of a, a place of knowledge, of study, of knowing who you are in Christ and what your rights are as a believer. And that's, that's the first important key is that all Christians, regardless of call or you know, assignments, uh, whether you're just going to church um, or you're just reading the word or, you know, you're in some form of ministry, however small or great, you are all authorized by God to be able to call upon the kingdom of heaven and to give resistance and response to any enemy that would attack you. Um, in the Old Testament, we see a lot of God as, as the God of, of war. Of, of warfare you know blessed be the lord my god who teaches my fingers to battle and my hands to war uh, no weapon formed against me shall prosper you know though a hundred fall at my right a thousand fall at my left there's there's tons of scripture we see from people like david um you know uh aaron as he goes into the promised land to fight the philistines samson uh was was called and created to to fight in war against the philistines and the giants in his area um, this warfare anointing, um, it, it, is a, it is an anointing that falls on some, but where it was a, a, a physical response to darkness in the Old Testament, it's now a spiritual response to darkness in the New Testament, because the New Testament clearly proclaims we war not against flesh and blood. Um, so as Christians, we're deputized under the blood of Christ and under the banner of heaven. We have authority to respond. One of the easiest and best ways is by submitting to God, right? Um, one of the biggest known verses, submit to God, resist the devil and he will flee. Just by submitting to God can be an act of warfare so that when the enemy shows, when the enemy comes against, um, when we resist that, the enemy flees because God's backing us. Um, and oftentimes, even in, in deliverance, when you get to, to the deliverance ministries area, one of the biggest areas they talk about where the enemy comes in and attack is through willful sin. People who are living in sin, they know it's sin. They're not in submission to God. And so the enemy has an open door to come in. And even though they resist, he's still present. And once you submit to God, that the enemy will flee. That's the key. Um, one of the biggest examples we have modern day is is uh, the police right um, in order for a police officer to to execute the law he has to learn the law which for us would be learning scripture and learning the will of god through scripture um, and then he has to execute the law right as he sees discrepancies and he sees criminals and he sees sees crime he responds to those situations um, and he uses his knowledge of the law to to respond. Um, and it's the same with us. Life and death is in the power of the tongue. When we're put in situations or environments where we see things that go against the will of God, 
uh, we need to know how to respond and we need to know how, you know, if it's if it's a person living an alternative lifestyle, a sinful lifestyle to respond in love and, and hold the line in truth. Or if it's something demonic that's coming against a person, how to, how to pray and how to to uh, take authority in knowing that you even have the right to do that and that you have the right to intercede on a person's behalf. So as Christians, we're like police officers that walk around this earth, right? We were created to tame the wilderness. That was Adam and Eve's original assignment. And the enemy was a part of the wilderness Right. The devil came from somewhere to tempt them. And so authority, uh, Jesus said, all authority under heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, I say go. And that's the deputization. That's Jesus saying, go and I will be with you. I have all authority. I have all power and I will give to you as, as needed to go and do what heaven needs done on the earth. So. When it comes to spiritual warfare, one thing you have to remember is that the, the power of the enemy is done away with. That they still have abilities, but they really are reliant on fear. One of their biggest tactics against the Christian is to get them afraid. Because uh, they puff themselves up with fear, but they're like a, a, a balloon filled with air. Once you poke it, it shrivels up and becomes small. If the enemy can get you to either ignore them or to fear them, then they know that you won't respond against them. Um, but one of the things the enemy really is afraid of and hates is a Christian who fights back. They, they do not like to fight. They don't like fair fights. They like to hit and run. They don't like to risk themselves because at, in the end of the day, we are much more powerful and stronger in the spirit than they are. Uh, even from new birth, for a brand new Christian has more power and authority than uh, ancient demon who's lived since the Old Testament days. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. Um, and so anything that they can do to scare somebody off from being able to fight back or to keep them from learning about spiritual warfare, they're going to do because at the end of the day, uh, a Christian who knows his place in heaven, he knows his right and his authorities, is a risk to him. And there's not much the enemy can do to stand up against that. And the enemy certainly does not want people he's attacking and know how to fight. So there's a few different points to go into when it comes to spiritual warfare, but the biggest stance you have to take is knowing that you have a right to fight back, that you're not helpless. You know, our enemy roams around like a lion seeking those who they, he may devour, but he's looking for, as, as lions in the natural, he's looking for the weak, the sick, the ones separate from the herd. He does not want to risk going after the main herd because there's unity in numbers or strength in numbers. And so that's one of the reasons, you know, spiritually speaking, being with a church and being ingrained in a church is such a big thing because you're less of a target. You have a support structure. If you are, you know, you build relationships with people in the church. If you're going through something, you have people who will stand and pray with you, and it's no longer you and the enemy. It's it's a, a body, a congregation against the enemy, right? Um, but you still have authority. You have purpose. You have um, permission. You have responsibility to stand in and attack the enemy when he's attacking you or loved ones. You're not helpless. And that's, that's something that 
uh, I've ran into in my own personal experiences. Some denominations don't really even teach on. They they don't really want to ever explore or be aware or participate in spiritual warfare. It's, it's they, they really take the out of sight, out of mind mentality. And a lot of Christians are attacked um, and brought to disease or to illness where they lose jobs or they lose loved ones and they don't they don't have enough maturity to realize there's a spiritual implication behind that that they have the authority and power to fight against and stave off and it's it's something that's kind of dear to me as well because i've gone through a lot of that myself even from a young age and the turning point in my life battling against these things was when i was finally able to stand and fight against them and have the knowledge to do so and my life changed you know i was less of a victim and more of somebody enabled and there's a lot of victim christians that just go life through life trauma to trauma and all they do is 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 complain or they whine um, but it's because they don't know god's enabled them to be more you know they're not just conquerors they're more than conquerors right that's who god's created us to be as christians so one of the big first points for spiritual warfare um, is prayer. Uh, prayer is more than just kneeling at your bed and, you know, or, you know, just saying a quick prayer. It's it's the words you speak. Life and death are in the power of the tongue. Um, it's what you say out into the air, right? What you give voice to. If you keep in mind, we're made in the image of God. We're made in his likeness. We're the only thing in creation made in the likeness of God. And we're the only thing in creation that God didn't speak into existence, but knelt into the ground and made with his hands. You can go through the first couple chapters of Genesis and you'll see God created Adam and Eve in the spiritual form. And then he knelt in the earth and he formed their bodies out of the earth with his hands. And he breathed into them the spirit. When he breathed into them life, their spirits became body and they became flesh and they became humans. Everything else, um, you know, it was let there be, let there be, let there be. God's speaking. So we're very unique in that regard. Even the angels in heaven, they were spoken into existence. They weren't created. So as someone made in the image and likeness of God, there's some of that authority in us. What we speak, what we say, there's life and death in our tongues, comes to fruition. And there's even secular studies where they... You know, whether it's plants or bags of rice growing mold or, you know, bread, you know, they, they speak curses over one. They speak life into the other. And there's, you know, a, a, a neutral that they don't do anything with. They find, you know, in plants, the blessing plant grows more. The, the cursed plant grows less or shrivels. The mold, mold grows more in a cursed environment than in a blessed environment. It's, you know, and. It's, it's this, this principle that exists. It's, it's almost like physics. It, what you speak into others, right, often becomes their belief. So there could be a girl who is very beautiful, very smart. But if she's raised uh, and, and is called ugly and dumb her entire life and upbringing, she'll never believe she's beautiful. She'll, she'll never believe she's smart. It's, you know, it's a, it's a binding thing. That stuff's true in the spiritual realm as well. Proclaim to the enemy who you are. Proclaim to the situation you're experiencing that you're an overcomer, right? If you're in an accident, you know, proclaim, I will live and not die. I will not be maimed or marred by this. I will have supernatural recovery. Those are prayers. 
and those are statements, right? And that's it's much more than my Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. It's it's a living, uh, realistic example when you, you know, see an ambulance drive by, you know, God help them, let everything be good in their situation. That's prayer and that's spiritual warfare. As a, as Christians, we have authority to speak out and release angels onto situations right when we're saying god be with that person help them god restore them bring them to health there's angels released with those words on assignment to bring about the will of god uh, we see some examples in the old testament when the life uh, the law of sin and death the separation from god and man from sin is in effect god interacted with the earth at that time mostly through angels as messengers um and we have a few passages where you know the sins of a city or the sins of the world were so great they wafted up to heaven and god took notice of their sin he actually gazed on the earth and saw the sin nature and usually when that happened he struck a city from the earth like sodom and gomorrah and the seven sister cities or he flooded the earth like he his reaction to sin at that time was kill it destroy it wipe it out um but we kill it with fire exactly we see a lot more interaction with people in the Old Testament through angels, right? Ezekiel and the multi-eyed, cog-wheeled, be-not-afraid angels, or Jacob. Jacob actually saw um, what uh, was a portal between heaven and earth, was the Jacob's ladder, the angels ascending and descending from heaven to earth and back on assignment. Um, many times we see angels coming up from earth to heaven to report on the stats, uh, status of man. Um, you know, so that's an Old Testament example of angels working and interceding on behalf of man. If you look at Daniel, when Daniel prayed for the interpretation to a vision, 21 days he fasted without an interpretation until uh, Gabriel came to him. And Gabriel said, the moment that you you prayed, the moment that you asked, I was loosed from heaven to bring to you the interpretation. But the prince of Persia intercepted me in the air, and I warred with him for 21 days until your fasting and prayer caught the eyes of God. He saw what was happening. He sent Michael down to release me that I could come to you. Right? That's a very big picture into the spiritual realm in the Old Testament. And God using angels to bring about his will on the earth and to operate through it. It's a bit different now through the blood of Christ because sin has been done, has been defeated. The veil or the separation between man and God has been torn. And now we have a much more intimate, personal, and um, readily accessible connection with God directly, not just the angels. But the Old Testament gives credence to as we pray and as we ask and as we we declare uh, God releases angels to do his will and that's a precedence that still exists to this day there's two main categories of angels that are relevant to us in this life there's angels of war and those are exactly what they sound like they're the soldiers they go and they they free uh, captives, they fight off the enemy, they stave back attacks, they're sent to deal blows to the enemy when the enemy's attacking. Um, there's also angels of ministry, and 
you know, these are angels that come in to repair damage that was done by the enemy, to to fix marriages, to heal rifts between people, and, and to help piece back together broken hearts and all in between. And a great example between the two of them would be angels of war like police and angels of ministry are like the paramedics, right? Both are emergency responders. Both carry assignments and tasks, whereas one fights, defends, and protects. The other one heals, restores, and keeps alive. And as Christians, we can ask God, we can loose, we can say, God, loose your angels upon me. Let there be angels of war to stave off this enemy. God, I'm hurt. I'm afraid. I'm, I'm uh, tempted. God, let your angels of ministry come and tend to me. And we see an example of that with Jesus after his 40 days of fasting in the wilderness, where at the end of it, angels, ministry and angels were sent to him to bring him back to health, give him food and water, and, and make sure he's okay. So that's one thing that we have in our corner, because we know the devil is only able to convince a third of the angels in heaven to rebel against God with him. So our enemies already outnumber two to one, right? There's twice as many angels in heaven as there are demons in hell. And in addition to that, we have God. We have the spirit of God dwelling in us. He's He's a sentient being. He's capable. He's aware. He's not ignorant. And as we go through these fights and battles, we have to become aware of the small, still voice inside of us that is calling us to, there's something more to this, pray, engage, fight back, right? And that would be the Holy Spirit calling on the believer to do his assignment, to use the things that were given. Uh, one of the biggest misconceptions that a lot of Christians has about God is that God does things for us. And one of the biggest Western Christianity things that we encounter in churches is it treats God like a genie in the Bible, right? We rub the Bible and we ask God to give us wealth and health and prosperity. But the Bible talks about the word of God and, and our interactions with God differently. He's not just this this thing to give us our desires. You know, he he equips us to do things on, on ourselves and to help us in the midst of that, right? He's not a doer, he's an enabler. And a lot of Christians will curl up in the fetal position and cry out to God for help, and God help me, God help me, God help me. And God's looking in heaven saying, I've given you armor, I've given you weapons, I've given you everything you need, every teaching. I've given you every principle. I've given you my spirit. I've given you angels. Fight back. I've created you to fight. I've created you to be conquerors. I've created you to be more than conquerors. I've created you as my children. Right? The, the only thing I need is a first step of faith, and I'll walk right beside you. Don't be helpless. You're not helpless. I did not create you to be helpless. I did not create you with a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. And many Christians never realize they're created as these these. Uh, powerful beings on earth that have authority over angels and demons that have relationship with God, with the creator of all of heaven. And they're called to reclaim this earth. It's not just up to God to do everything. That's why when Jesus prayed um, his famous prayer, one of his, his lines is, let your will be done God on earth as it is in heaven, which means that his will is not done on the earth. It's already done in heaven, but there's a process of bringing the will of heaven down to earth and making it so. 
And that's what we were created for. That's what the whole task of taming the wilderness is cutting back the briars and the bristles and, and keeping the demonic in line, making this world a better place, bringing the will of God down, walking in power and authority. Um, it's, it's something that a lot of, a lot of Christians have come away from or, or aren't even aware that they have the potential and the, the right as the inheritance to do so. Wow, man, that's really good stuff. I love how you um, mentioned and reiterated that we have the right. And uh, I don't know about you, but one of the things uh, I had struggled with before, and I'm sure others have, is seeing, like what you mentioned, the authority, the call, the biblical precedent to take ground for the kingdom, to do what Jesus said for us to do, However, also struggling with a uh, inferior complex where you feel like you don't have the right because of sin or because of your past or because of just the way you grew up. Like I shared before, you know, I was uh, heavily bullied in school and uh, others listening to this maybe were as well. And what you know are on the natural side, even Christian or not, that can create such a inferiority complex that when you see these uh wonderful grand things in the bible that say you're more than a conqueror you're an overcomer you're a warrior you know all these great things it can almost be overwhelming to receive that even though you may want to and as a kid uh, i wanted to and uh, you know it's way better now but uh there are times too where it's like really god like it, are you sure you know and, and so what would you say to anybody who uh, maybe you grew up in the church, or maybe they didn't, but they see in Scripture these awesome things you just mentioned, and they see uh, the biblical precedent for it, but they still struggle with uh, feeling like they have the right to do it because they feel like maybe because of their own mistakes, own sin, whatever, that the enemy actually has a point when he accuses them of something so that they, it kind of stops them in their tracks from proceeding with what they see in the Bible that they can do. But in the natural, they feel uh, stubbed a little bit. So, and if I'm understanding correctly, it was like how to grasp the, the authority and the inheritance and not live in like insecurity or fear, but being capable and aware of who you are in Christ. Was that correct? Yes, actually living it out despite your inferiorities for whatever reason, uh, whether whether it's, uh, you know, like I said, sin or whether it's um, maybe failed attempts previously to pray and things didn't happen the way biblically it was supposed to happen or you thought it was supposed to happen. Dealing with those kinds of disappointments, how would you, what, what would be your, uh, your remedy for, uh, for that kind of situation? Studying the word. Um, you have to know who God says you are, and it's it's at no fault to any believer in any phase to have wrong assumptions of of, of man and what man is. Uh, we're we're fallen beings. We were born into a fallen world. We're raised by fallen parents, and we can't trust the words of men or their interpretation of scriptures solely for our understanding, um, because there's many. Many doctrines out there, like uh, we're we're sinners. We're always going to be sinners. Every time we breathe, we're sinners, and that's that's our place in life. And God, God, His the God of uh, the Word of God. It stands 
against such teachings as that we are sons of God. That's that though the righteous fall seven times, they're not called unrighteous, right? That we have to study for ourselves the word and let the Holy Spirit open up his word to us. Um, and a, a few scriptures that come to mind on that, some, some pretty strong ones. Um, if you go into Genesis 11, when it's talking about the Tower of Babel, um, God says, let us go down and see what they're doing, right? And when he says us, he's talking about the Trinity. And they go down to the earth and they see that man is making this tower. And at the time, it was a ziggurat. It was a, it was a, it was a temple to essentially the devil, right? It was, you know, and it was the devil riding off of certain authorities of, that man had to, to alter creation that he didn't have to, you know, go into heaven and rage this, wage this war against God. Um, and, you know, Genesis eleven six says that the Lord said, if as one people speaking the same language, they have begun to do this, then nothing they plan to do will be impossible for them. And that's that's huge for God to say, if man is unified, nothing's impossible for them. Right. That you have to read into that. There is so much you got to think if you played out the Tower of Babel. Eventually, they're going to get so high that they're going to learn, oh, the tower fell. What do we do? We, Well, we need to do this. They'll advance math and physics, and they'll learn these things to build this tower, and then they'll learn about thinner oxygen, and then they'll <laughs> they'll make oxygen, and they'll, they'll learn about that, the space, and they'll, all these things. Like When God says there's nothing impossible for them talking about mankind and unity, that's huge. Um, and then when we go to Psalms 82. It says, God presides in the divine assembly. He renders judgment among the gods. How long will you judge unjustly and show partiality to the wicked? Defend the cause of the weak and fatherless. Uphold the rights of the afflicted and oppressed. Rescue the weak and needy. Save them from the hand of the wicked. They do not know or understand. They wander in the darkness. All the foundations of the earth are shaken. I have said, you are gods. You are all sons of the Most High. But like mortals, you will die, and like rulers, you will fall. That is a, a proclamation God made over the judges of the earth, the people who had the Spirit of God. He called them gods on earth, sons of the Most High. That is a massive, massive proclamation by God about man. And later on in John 34 through 38, when the Pharisees and Sadducees were were uh, harassing Jesus and 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 saying, you claim to be God, that's blasphemy. How can man be a God? Jesus answered them, is it not written in your law? I have said you are gods. If he called them gods to whom the word of God came and scripture cannot be set aside, what about the one whom the Father set apart as his very own and sent into the world? Why then do you accuse me of blasphemy? Because I said I am God's son. All right. That Those few scriptures should shake and rattle any any teachings or conceived notions that man is a weak fragile creation man when god created man he created man to be rulers to be authority figures to have to walk and live and breathe in power to have authority to do great and mighty things not just just the men written in the bible every man right every man the spirit of god falls upon and for God to call his children gods on earth is a major, major proclamation from God. It doesn't mean that we deserve to be worshipped or anything. It's it's more or less the calling of anointing, that he's calling man on earth your authority, your 
you're the you're the dudes that are in charge of Earth, right? My spirit's upon you. I have given you authority. You are my ambassadors on the Earth. Go and do things. Go and and represent me. And for Jesus to to hurl that back at the Pharisees and Sadducees, reconfirming in the New Testament time, it, God said this about you know your your prophets and judges. And if I'm not the one that God sent down, and, and you say I'm committing blasphemy because I say I'm God's son, but when he said the same thing about your ancestors, those kinds of revelations only come through studying the word, reading it yourself. You know, let the Holy Spirit pulling that and pouring that into you. Um, there's really no other other way to learn your your place and your boldness and to have the confidence to to stand up against these things that are demonic or that you know these attacks and you know the, the, the thing that comes to mind is the parable of you know the two people building a house and one builds his house on the sand and one builds his house on the rock and when the storm comes the man who built his foundation on the sand his house is blown away and the man who built his foundation on the rock it is solid and weathers the storm um, you know, the rock is Jesus, of course, but when you, we later go into Revelation and we see Jesus coming back on the down on the horse, we learn that Jesus Christ is the representation of the Word of God, that he is the embodiment of the words God speaks because the Word is written on his thigh as his uh, name. And in John 1, 1, it says, in the beginning there was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, which means that the Word of God is a physical manifestation of one of the pieces of the Trinity. Jesus became Word made flesh, right? So to build our house upon the rock, which is Jesus, is to build our house upon the Word through study and through reading and through application in our lives. Man, it's really good stuff. Appreciate all this knowledge you're spitting, man. It's good, good revelation and uh, very encouraging. And uh, that's that's really good. Uh, something I think the Lord spoke to me when you're saying that in uh, Revelation, how it says that the the word of God will be written on Jesus's thigh. Um, I, I felt like I heard him say, you know, if, if I take my word that seriously, so should you. And for me, that's a good uh, insecurity buster. Like anybody that struggles to take God's word more seriously than something that's happened to you on this earth or something somebody is saying about you, or even if it's just the voice of the enemy, you're hearing that way too frequently. Take the word of God as seriously as he does because he takes his word so seriously. That's, that's all he considers. You look at all the Bible champions, the, the champions of faith in Hebrews 11. I was just listening to a, uh, Kevin Wallace preached about that today and not one person that God ever used aside from Jesus, not one person that God ever used wasn't messed up <laughs> Yeah, or had a messed up past or messed up after they were called multiple times after they were called Peter, David, you know, uh, I'm sure, you know, God told David, uh, you, you know, I would have given you more wise. It wasn't his first choice, but God still would have rathered that than, uh, you know, him doing what he did with Bathsheba. And, and, you know, I'm sure there's other things, too, that, you know, if you're going to categorize it black and white, all these people that God used, we're, we're not supposed to be sin conscious. But for those that struggle with the sin consciousness, 
that God has forgotten more than we'll ever remember. He's forgiven, forgotten more than we're ever going to remember. And so for any, anything that maybe you do remember, uh, I would, I would say that, and I'm saying it for myself too, that take God's word more seriously than anything that you might remember. Cause I think that's one of the enemy's main tactics. Uh, don't you think Garrett, where he will, it's like, yeah, despite, uh, what the word says, despite this, that, and the other, you, uh, you opted out because of this or that, like despite the, the evidence and what the word says, he tries to get us to consider just like when Peter saw the waves, he began to sink. Yes, the waves were there, but so was Jesus reaching his hand out and Peter walked on water with Jesus, but he also be the Bible says he began to sink. He didn't completely go under. I don't think, but even if he did, the Lord still would have rescued him. But the point I'm trying to make is there's always a duality. There's always an opposition. Uh, and I may not be saying it the best. So just bear with me, but there's always this other thing vying for your attention for you to consider it instead of what God said, when Caleb and Joshua slew the giants, I mean, to me, that still boggles my mind because I don't know about you, but I'm, I'm not looking for an opportunity to go fight some sort of freak of nature in the natural because I don't know how to respond, but <laughs> I would like to think I would have a Caleb and Joshua response immediately, but it might take me a second or two to be like, okay, God, you know, uh, I'm believing what you said. But if, if they cannot consider the size of the giant compared to their size, if, if Peter could, um, you know, walk on water for a little bit and not consider the storm he was walking on. I think that's a a loving charge to us to not consider whatever the enemy may be constantly nagging you about, whispering to you to try to get you to forget God's word. Rather, we should consider and take to heart what God said and just ignore whatever the enemy may be trying to get your focus on. That's exactly right. And you know, the, the scriptures, it lines out the weapon that we are given to fight the enemy is the sword of the spirit, which is the word. So it's a combination of the Holy Spirit giving us a revelation of the word and the word itself. And we see Jesus fighting the devil with the word. It, it, it is written, it is written, it is written to every one of the devil's responses. Um, but there's too many Christians going into war with a butter knife, you know, and that's that's because they don't understand the word they're not taking it in for themselves or they're not going into studies and 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 breaking apart the word you know and, and that could be through books or through you know uh bible studies or you know preachers breaking down certain aspects of the word like so many christians you know they don't want to be in the war but as you're born into a war you know whether you're a christian or not you're in it you know that's just the nature of things so you either you know, suck it up and, and become competent and fight and have some form of defense. And you're, you're well able to, to repel every attack of the enemy. Um, but, or, you know, you just, you know, lay down, curl up in the fetal position and, and take it. And sadly, there's a lot of Christians that do that. And uh, it's not what they were made for. And a lot of your confidence comes from seeing that, you are capable that God has made you capable that you can overcome the enemy and his attacks. And, you know, and that confidence grows and builds each time you have a victory, each, each little victory turns into a greater victory. Right. And 
even with David, before he ever fought giants, he was fighting wolves and lions and bears, you know, in the fields. And it, God was preparing him. It, God didn't just throw David into a fight with a giant. You know, God brought things to him and helped David realize the anointing that was on him, the call and the power that God had given him to do these things. And, and when the actual fight, the big fight came to David, he had no fear. I don't remember how many stones he picked, but he picked, I think, around seven stones, maybe more, maybe less. But he he got one stone for um, Goliath and a stone for each of his brothers and not one stone more. David fully expected that the first stone would drop Goliath and he got one stone so that if Goliath's brothers charged into the fight to help their brother, he'd have a stone for each one of them, right? But that's, that's that, that level of confidence comes through experience and through small victories building mm -hmm. and, and, and seeing God is good and God is faithful and he is with you in the midst of the fight. Man, that is so good. So, so victory, graduating victory upon graduating victory, you know, first, first the wolf, then the lion, then the bear, then the giant. And especially once he saw Goliath fall, I'm sure he was immediately reaching, like, oh, yeah, I got some other stones for his brothers. I, I like that about um, just kind of mounting those small victories until you you gain that sense of continuity, like, okay, yeah, I know what to expect. And he, I think that's a good thing we should do is face each day, face each situation, each attack of the enemy with that expectation for victory. Like, even it may be ugly, it may be a big problem, but go into it with that handful of stones mentality. Like, I'm going to get all you suckers eventually at some point in one way or another. You may be big and ugly, but I'm going to get you. And, you know, a lot of Christians don't realize that what happened in the Old Testament, what happened in the New Testament, the, the feats of power and all of that, they're, they're just as available to modern-day Christians. And, and the apostles even spoke to that. You know, when Paul wrote, the same spirit um, that lives in us is the same spirit that rose Christ from the dead. You know, they're referencing the power that resurrected Christ is the power that they carry with them. Well, it's the same Holy Spirit that we have today. You know, and a lot of one of the big reasons why a lot of Christians don't see that level of power is because they they don't they don't pursue it. They don't put forth the time and effort necessary to to learn the word and to build up those confidences and to pray and ask God for those and seek those things um, and then put themselves in a situation where they're going to pray for somebody um, who has some sort of issue and maybe something happens, maybe something doesn't. And a lot of times when Christians, they, they pray for somebody and nothing happens, then they just give up. Um, but that's not what we're called to do. It's, it's, it's growing the power. It's growing the relationship. It's, it's, it's showing to God that this is something that, you know, we're staking on faith. God, in your word, you said, will I lay my hands on the sick and they will recover. And it may not have happened now, but you're not a liar. So I'm going to continue pursuing this and I'm going to continue studying this. And eventually it will happen. It's it's guaranteed. If you believe God, every Christian has access to that. Regardless of, of maturity and experience, any Christian can take God's word at face value and put it into practice. And don't be discouraged. Keep doing it. 
keep keep trying, keep putting effort in. When it happens, make sure to give glory to God and realize that there's something there. God wants those things to happen. God hates infirmity and sickness and disease, and God wants Christians to step up and stand against it. And if a prayer ever fails, if it never works, it's never on God's side. God's not saying no to that specific thing. It's something with us. We don't. We lack the faith. We lack the the understanding, the insight. There are times in my life when I was pursuing that stuff, and I would pray nothing would happen. And out of nowhere, somebody you know later on would reference a book or a preacher who is on that specific subject, and it would cue, cue me in on certain things. Um, until when I started praying for people, I would see healings or I would, you know, would see these things happen. I realized, like, I just had a mental block. Like, I had doubt. I I had these preconceived teachings that were not scriptural that I got from the church from early on that were getting in the way. And these things revealed and kind of block unblocked a lot of that. And, and it, it helped me connect to God on a more personal level, too. Yeah, that's that's really good, man. And I'm glad you talked about that, about doubt and the mental block, because one thing, and there's scriptures to support this, but kind of putting it in my own way, is uh, our minds are like a switch. If you can flip that switch, there will be nothing off limits to you. And uh, there's several verses that that talk about, like Roman is a... Um, Romans 12, 12, I may have the verse wrong, but I know it's Romans 12 where Paul says, you'll be transformed by the renewing of your mind. The The transformative, transformative power of God has to flow through the renewed mind. If we try to have a transformed outcome with an old mind, you're going to get a, a unsatisfactory result. And just like you I've you know prayed prayers in the past and felt like a brick wall, nothing happens, so on and so forth. But something that has helped me is kind of tying in back a little bit to not considering anything else. All those yeah, but thoughts, those are from the enemy. And God kind of gave me a little revelation earlier today uh, while I was at work. It's It's always the yeah, but thought that tries to short circuit the power of God. So you can receive a healing, a deliverance, get your confidence back. Kind of like one of the themes that we're uh, lighting up tonight is, is getting our confidence back to have those victories again that we need. And one of the ingredients, because God isn't married to a method, but some of the ingredients for victory, obviously because it's straight up scriptural, is renewing your mind. But in practicality, what that looks like is one of the things is not considering, not giving your mind to what the enemy is saying. Yeah, but you sinned last night. Yeah, but uh, what's in your past? Or yeah, but it didn't work last time. You, this is the 10th time now. Uh, so brother, so even brother so-and-so prayed for her. And she's still not better. All those are yeah, but thoughts. Like you're praying for something, asking God for something, or you know, commanding, loosing, speaking out of authority like we're talking about. You're, you're wielding your heavenly cop capabilities so to speak your deputization authorities and that little thought creeps in your mind while you're praying yeah but yeah but what makes you you think you can do this or what what makes you think this time is going to be any different or yeah but what you did last week you, you know you're not qualified in this where you're disqualified you should turn in your badge all those things you could say are the waves of the sea 
that if we consider those things, we can be like Peter and go from walking on the water to sinking in the very thing that we were conquering at one point, just a few seconds prior. So the power in having those results, or at least one of the key ingredients is having a single mind for the Lord to only consider the the thing that we need to do, like pray, and then the outcome that we expect, the victory, just like David, like we talked about, to expect that and not give our mind, not give any attention to the yeah, but whatever your yeah, but thought is, uh, I just want to say the blood of Jesus has destroyed all the yeah, buts that the enemy could ever dredge up against you. This is exactly right. And a lot of Christians fight the yeah, but devil. Um, and the great way to beat the Abbot devil is with the word of God, with the sword of the word. Amen. Um, and that's a big spiritual warfare aspect. When doubt enters into your mind, you have to know the, the verse to counteract it, the, the verse that speaks life in that doubt. Um, and for an example, if you're praying for somebody and the yeah, but you just messed up last week, how can, you know, how can God flow through you? The verse, the righteous fall seven times and yet are not called unrighteous should be the thing that springs into your mind right away to counteract. And it's, it's a clashing of swords, right? And it's a mental thing with a spiritual thing going behind it. But whatever you're struggling against, if it's doubt, if it's insecurity, it, even if it's, you know, uh, a besetting sin or an addictive, repetitive sin, if it's, you know, anger, if it's fear, there's verses for all of that. And if you have a specific area you're struggling in, you need to look up and read the verses for that and memorize them and get them in you as much as you can. So that when that thing comes and attacks you with it, your response is the word, just as Jesus responded with the word against the devil. And if, you know, if you struggle with, with condemnation of sin and the, the enemy comes and cuts you with that or tries to, you can respond with the righteous fall seven times and yet are not called unrighteous. Or um, he is just and merciful. If we um, confess with our mouth and repent of our sins, he will cleanse us of all of our sins and cleanse us of all of our unrighteousness. Right. Uh, there's so many verses that any struggle you have, there's a verse for it. And whatever, because we're very diverse and we all have different vices and different fights and different struggles, find the verse that befits that and use that as the weapon. Very good, man. Appreciate that. And while you were speaking, you said there's a clash of blades. I, I think I think that's a good uh, title and a good uh, um, theme for the Christian when you're in warfare is embrace the clash. Embrace the clash and let your confidence build again because we can't help but clash swords, cross swords with the enemy. And the very fact that he's crossing swords with us means there is, there is something, there is a truth that is precious to us that we're living our life on that he's concerned enough about to draw a sword against you, so to speak, and come and try and steal it or destroy it. I've had those seasons. I'm sure you have. I'm sure many listening right now have had seasons where God has had to restore or or maybe you're in a season right now of that. And, and there's things I'm still believing for and, and pushing through for. 
but that that ministered to me embrace the clash and let your confidence rise again i think that's a good principle because <clears throat> excuse me um we like you said a lot of times we we kind of just want to throw ourselves on the ground and god help me god and no, i'm not i'm not trivializing i've been there before where i i don't know what else to do but lord please help because i don't know what to do and um but on the whole like you said I think God expects us to fight. It's like, come on, I, I want to see you win. I think it's from like a good father that has trained his son and let's take a specific sport, for example. And he's not going to jump on the field and put on your jersey and do it all for you because then you, that takes you out of the game. You know what I mean? Yep, that's exactly right. God's God's an enabling God, right? And we have that through such verses as in your weakness, I am strongest, you know. Um, we, we have to do the thing and God helps us do the thing. Uh, but God, God doesn't do the thing for us. He, we, he created us for a reason and he's equipped us for a reason. And it's up to us to follow through and to know that he is with us in all things. Hey Amen. that's, that's good stuff, brother. I appreciate it. That yeah, I like that. Do the thing, <laughs> embrace the clash, <laughs> get your confidence back do the thing. God will help you do the thing. Don't worry about it. And uh, this, this ministering to me, I don't know about you, but this is all really encouraging stuff. And uh, I'm sure it's encouraging everyone out there listening. And um, so we're, we're fo- the, one of the main focuses right now is doing, doing the thing, getting the confidence back, realizing that the warfare is real and it does require our effort to, to clash with it. Uh, what's the next element that you are that's on your heart well you know there's there's stages to this anybody who who wants to grow in this area you has to realize that god will never throw you into the deep end of the pool right um he's first going to teach you how to swim and then he's going to take you into the shallows and he's going to be right with you and he's going to build up your your strength to swim and he's going to show you different techniques um, and then he'll be with you as you begin to go into deeper parts of the water until eventually you're a capable swimmer. And he'll only jump in if you get yourself in, in trouble past that point, right? Um, it's, it's like that with, with really anything of God and especially with spiritual warfare. God doesn't, you know, thrust upon somebody these great challenges so that they can learn, right? There's sometimes that the enemy just comes and attacks and it's not fair. Um, even at a young age and you know those people it's that's not God's will but you know God's in the midst of that to help teach them so that they can fight you know so there's some people it seems like they're on a sinking ship and they got to learn fast um, but that's not the case for everybody and you know if you want to get get better at spiritual warfare don't don't have a flinched flinch dog mentality right a beaten dog mentality where you're always flinching for the next hit um you, you have to know who you are in Christ and what you were created to be and have confidence in that. And fear is a form of faith. It's faith in the enemy and his capability to hurt you. And it's, it's faith in the, in, in the lack of God and his ability to respond. Um, that's really what fear is. It's, it's a, a doubting of God and a trusting of the enemy to be able to reach out and touch you. Um, and that's not the appropriate faith for a Christian, right? And that's why God says that we've not been given a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. Um, 
and so as Christians, we should walk in confidence. We, we should know who we are. We should be able to not flinch when the enemy attacks, but respond and attack back. Not just defend against, but make the enemy regret coming after us. Make him pay in blood for coming after us and our loved ones, right? And when you become that, that level, when you reach that level of, of competency and, and confidence, you'll find the enemy doesn't come around too often. The enemy does not like taking lickings. He does not like, like, like being wounded. Um, he does not like a Christian who knows how to fight. He, he you know, the, the attacks he, he poses against those Christians are usually very methodical and calculated out. Um, and, you know, we have someone in our corner too, the Holy Spirit. He, he gives us warnings. He, he tells us about things before they come. You know, whether that be through intuition and just having a, a sense or a perception about something or dreams or visions or prophetic words, the God is with us. And when you get to that level, you got to know those are those are attacks and stuff that would normally happen and come. But the enemy's having to be much more cautious and prepared because of, of you being a competent fighter. But God's also <laughs> preparing and alongside you for that fight. And it's, it's not a fair fight when a Christian knows who he is and uses his authority against the enemy. Um, and oftentimes those fights are one-sided, bloody, and short with the enemy limping away. And that should be the goal and the encouragement to any believer of, of what the end goal of being mature in spiritual warfare and, and, and the authority and uh, foundational structure of a Christian is once a once a person grasps those those foundational beliefs and are and is able to 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 fight and be competent in fighting against the enemy and how he attacks them and their family and loved ones and the, even those around him the fights they, they turn into very short and one-sided fights um, and the enemy is left bewildered and beaten at the end of it and much more reluctant 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 to try it again Good stuff, man. And uh, I was going to say, I like how you said, make him pay in blood. <laughs> I think uh, that's that's good because I think some people, um, like you said, there can be kind of that fear factor where, oh, what if he responds or what if he does something again? And what I'm hearing is you can't you can't be afraid of that because we we know in this life, if you've come this far, you know, there's going to be a fight anyway. There's going to be those days anyway. There's going to be crappy days anyway. And so instead of flinching and, oh, dear, please don't. I don't like it in the face. You know, it's like, hey, just fight back anyway. Bite back. Clash the swords. And and um, and don't fear um, his his mock retribution because... Yeah, he he has a reaction, but God is always ten steps ahead. Uh, it's no competition, and there's justice. Uh, something that I've incorporated to my prayers more uh, for the past I don't know six months or more is asking God for justice. Like the thing, like once I've done what I know to do, and I feel like there's still something there, or things still aren't just quite right the way they should be. I just I go to town asking for justice, and I ask God to give me. Uh, restoration. I ask for retribution against the enemy 
and and for uh, recompense. David pleaded with God all the time about uh, giving him recompense and vindicating him, giving him the better outcome in the situation, giving him the righteous uh, stance in a situation. And that's something that I've seen. I've seen the the evidence of that, and it's it's good to to pray that. And um, I just wanted to encourage anybody that <clears throat> maybe you're fighting, and uh, if you feel like it's not going the way it's supposed to, maybe co- incorporate uh, that prayer too for ju- God's justice, vindication, and righteousness. And because uh, there, you know, there's things too that we're not aware of um, more than just. A, uh, a demon or something like there could be witches. There could be uh, others that know good and well what they're doing that because you're a Christian, they are against you and God can either turn their hearts, turn the situation uh, or whatever he's got to do, you know, to give you the, the ultimate victory. And um, for those Garrett that um, like me and you, I think we're kind of natural born fighters. And I think, you know, the things we've been through, we uh, sometimes we kind of grin maybe at the opportunity to fight back, you know, <laughs> to the enemy. Um, but what about if someone out there is listening and they want to do this, they want the victory, they want the, the moxie, if you will, to do this. Uh, but they, they are overcoming <clears throat> maybe not just the um, initial fear of, Hey, this is a spiritual battle, kind of weird stuff. But what if they're also overcoming uh, maybe character traits and flaws. Maybe they're a timid person. Maybe they're kind of a, they feel like a nerd or something in the kingdom. Like they just like, um, you know, something like they don't fit in the armor that they were given. What would be a word of encouragement uh, to those kinds? Well, just to know that like you're, you're created for a specific purpose and not everybody's created to be frontline fighters, but every Christian's created to be a fighter of some kind. And that looks, looking at the different ways people are created to fight into, you know, warfare, it falls under your anointing, what God created you to do. Maybe your your brand of warfare is um, art. You're very artistically gifted, and you use art to represent the kingdom, and that's your, your way of fighting. Um, it's not the, the people who you know, cast devils out of people and exercise people, you know, exercise demons and, and bless houses and, and confront demonic presences and demonic curses. And, you know, and those are that that's that's a, a, an anointing and a, a calling in and of itself. And, and those people are well equipped and eager to do those things. And you shouldn't feel, you know, nervous that that's what all spiritual warfare is. Uh, you know, so this spiritual warfare is your car starts making a weird sound and you pray and you say, God, I declare my car is going to be just fine. Right. That the enemy will not devour what is, is, is given to me by you. You know, that's spiritual warfare just as much as, you know, your, your child goes off to college and you proclaim God, he will not be taken over by false teachings. He will not, you know, be pulled into a sinful lifestyle that he will come back with a stronger relationship with you as, as he left, you know, like those are all spiritual warfares and that those are all much more practical for every believer. So, you know, don't be scared off by spiritual warfare. Just, just learn how to grow in the area God called you and, 
and know that that regardless if if god's called you to be a backliner in the, the war or frontliner or you know just somebody in the ranks helping and fighting everybody needs to know how to fight Every, you know it's it's if the guy next to you is carrying a you know a great sword and you're carrying a butter knife you're 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 going to be scared to fight you need to learn the word and you need to be better equipped because there will come a point it's guaranteed the rain falls on the, the wise and the foolish um, you will come under attack in some some area some way whether it's a disease whether it's through your children through your through a loved one um through just a uh really evil and, and aggressive and selfish boss or co-workers you know whatever it is you need to know how to fight those things and you know how to pray and and, and proclaim who you are and, and the word of god and, and take authority over situations that's good. Well said. Well said. And uh, so, um, something uh, we're going to cover on uh, claiming authority, and kind of you tapped into it a little bit there about declaring. Um, talk about claiming authority over situation uh, when you're you feel the odd presence, uh, exercising your authority, all that that kind of stuff. There, uh, I know that's something we wanted to touch on. So this is something I heard preached by Dan Moeller, um, and I, I practice and experience a bit myself, and it's not something that I've ever, really ever heard taught a lot of in church, um, but it, it's something I've seen fruit of, um, and there's scriptural applications for it, and there's, scriptural, there's scriptures about it, um, and if it's, it kind of goes online with, you know, in the Old Testament, the Ark of the Covenant, which was the, the box that the Israelites would carry with them and eventually was staged in the temple in the Holy of Holies. Um, that was before man was cleansed of sin and God dwelt in a box. Um, and God went with them wherever they went. They carry the Ark of the Covenant to battle and, you know, and they'd open it and it would destroy the enemy or anywhere the Ark went. The, you know, not a single soldier of the Israelis would ever die. All that stuff, right? But, God's plan wasn't to live in a box, it was to live in, in man, his creation. And when Jesus died, we became the Ark of the Covenant, the carriers of the Spirit of God. And because of that, we have authority everywhere we go. Um, and one of the most common ones that most Christians run into is negative atmospheres. You know, and it could be just people stressed out at work, could be a negative coworker, a negative boss. You just get to work and, you know, just like, oh, man, there's something off about the day. That is something you can take authority over. You carry the spirit of God. You carry everything that is the spirit of God. And you, you carry a, a, essentially a nuclear warhead inside you everywhere you go. And all you have to do is let it out. And, you know, what that looks like is if you're in a situation you know, or in the negative, negative situation at work, you can just under your breath, just say, I claim authority over this. I declare peace. I declare uh, happiness. I rebuke stress. I rebuke fear. I rebuke anger in Jesus name. I claim it done. Just something simple like that. Um, and you may have to do it a few times, but you'll notice the atmosphere in the room will change. Um, same thing with presences. If you ever feel ick, if you ever feel like, man, there's just something wrong here. Same thing. I claim authority over this in Jesus' name. I cast it off. I declare and I release angels of war to clear this out. Um, one of the biggest ones I've seen with with 
with uh, that confirmed this for me through through practical application was uh, I was at a men's fellowship event for my church and they had a, a guest speaker come by and um, and he he gave a, a you know a little mini sermon and it started out good and then it turned into uh, conspiracy and false teaching and it was so blatant everybody in the room was cringing um, and nobody nobody was going up to say okay man that's good that's you know whatever respect or just fear of confrontation, you know, nobody was stepping up and saying this is done. Um, and he was getting into some crazy stuff, how like the COVID vaccine was altering your DNA and making you demon and things like that. And <laughs> crazy, crazy stuff, man. Um, but I, 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 that, that thought came into my mind about that. And I just, under my breath, I said, this is over. I claim authority over this. I declare this false teaching for what it is. I cancel it. I confound this guy's mind. He won't speak anymore. I end it right now in Jesus' name. As soon as I said that, he started stumbling over his words. And he couldn't really say a complete sentence. And he's like, I'm just going to end it there, guys. And he, like, within within a minute of me saying that, he was done. Um, and this guy was, like, in the height of, and he was really passionate about what he believed in. And he was he was trying to share that passion with the room. And I realized, like, like there's, you know, in the, in the physical realm, this guy was just, just preaching something that, was off off canter but in the spiritual there was a spirit tied behind that um mm -hmm. and i released you know whether it was the holy spirit or an angel or something like that to come in and stop it and it stopped um wow. that's that's an aspect of spiritual warfare that not a lot of christians think about like it's not just attacks of the enemy it's it can be negative atmospheres um, it can be false teachings it can be you know, evil presences, or if you, you know, if you're a parent and your your kid's having nightmares and you walk into his room and you just feel like there's there's something evil there, like there's a heaviness or, you know, a fear or something, proclaim it. Like, I, I cast this out in Jesus' name. I release angels of war to chase this out. I release angels of ministry to minister to my son or daughter, to give them peace and peaceful rest, you know? That's all spiritual warfare. It takes seconds you know, it's just the pro proclaiming and releasing of something as ambassadors and, and, and vessels of the Holy Spirit that he may do his work on, on this earth and bring about his side of things. Amen. It's good stuff. I like how you highlighted it doesn't have to just be some, you know, woo woo kind of thing happening. It could be it could be disguised under just some kind of strange topic being spoken that just doesn't sit quite right and that could be your trigger to know that hey there's a strange spirit behind this so you know shut it down don't listen to it walk away whatever uh, take authority over it and uh, that's amazing that's a really cool story man um and uh <clears throat> just wanted to say anybody out there if, if you did get the shot you're don't worry you're not going to morph into a demon so don't <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah he was he was going off of like it's turning your blood into demon blood it's changing oh your genes to be half demon wow. no way man yeah. <laughs> that I mean, was so far off yeah i mean don't get me wrong i i completely don't trust it but i don't think uh humanity is at the point of intelligence and i just don't think it's possible that we could use physical means to transmutate somebody into a whole different creature yeah like because a demon is either a fallen angel, or disembodied spirit of a giant, or some miscreant from Genesis six. Human beings are a completely different creation, uh, and if you're a Christian too, you're a new creation in Christ that cannot be undone or altered. Uh, Peter says our salvation 
uh, we're born of an incorruptible seed. And again, if words mean anything, the word of God means something to him. And when he said incorruptible, that's what that means. And all the yeah, buts, uh, Hey, incorruptible, uh, incorruptible dude. So deal, take it up with God. And, uh, so anyway, but that's good. Uh, what about, I had a dream I shared with you before. Um, could, or sometimes if you don't know exactly what to say or because of what's going on, maybe you're kind of stumbling to figure out a nice finessed prayer to take authority. What, what about not calling down the fire of God on people? Cause we know God isn't in the business of destroying lives, but redeeming them. However, uh, calling down the fire of God on that spirit working in somebody or just a attack that's coming to you outright, calling down God's fire against that thing. Well, that's easy. God's never going to strike someone down, even if you ask. Um, and faith follows intention, right? The story I, I heard where I heard that line, Dan Moeller was was praying for somebody. This was his testimony, and they, they had a headache. And he's like, hey, uh, can I pray for you? I, I think there's, there's you know, God's telling me there's something up with your head. And... And they're like, yeah, I struggle with chronic headaches. So he was praying for the guy. The guy had a headache then. As he's praying, the headache goes away. The guy feels warmth in his head. Um, the guy's like, wow, that's awesome, man. Um, and he's like, dude, and my knee's warm too. And Dan's like, what? What? He's like, yeah, I injured my knee. I, I tore my ACL. I've never been able to walk on it right. It's always like hurt, but it's it's gone. And, uh, and the Holy Spirit dropped that line into him, faith follows intention. And, and Dan Moeller's intention was that this guy would be healed. His words were for the, the head, but you know, faith follows the intention of healing, and it healed even areas that were not being targeted by the prayer. And we have to realize the power of God sentient. You know, the power of God is, is a, a personhood of God. It's the Holy Spirit. And, you know, if, if we, we don't have to, we, God knows our heart, you know. So if we're sitting there and we just really hate our boss and we're just like, God, God, let her die in the car accident all the way home. <laughs> Obviously, God's going to go, no, yeah, not doing yeah. that, right? But if you're sitting there praying, God, I just, I don't know. She's just so evil. Like, like hold her accountable. Like, kill this thing. Like, whatever it is, um, that can be enough. Like, trust God's interpretation of your heart and, and your meaning behind it. God can go in there and strike something down or put a barrier there. Um, and, you know, in situations where you don't know what to pray, uh you know, if you're if you have the baptism of fire, pray in tongues. You know, that's that's a, a power and authority of itself. The Holy Spirit prays through you. Or if you don't have that, you know, just ask. Say, God, I, I really want to pray about this. I just don't know what to say. You know, help me. And then just just be 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 still, be quiet, and 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 open up your mind and let the Holy Spirit put words or thoughts or or you know a starting place in your mind. Like the Holy Spirit will help you pray. And you can sit there and say. And just listen. It's like you know, maybe maybe your your aunt is going after the will of you know dying grandfather, right? And it's tearing the family apart, and it's going to put a big rift. And you just don't know what to pray. You don't want to go against your aunt, and you're just like, God, I, this is a bad situation all around. I just I don't know what to do. What do I pray? And you just sit there and you you wait and you're just quiet. And as you're waiting in your mind, it says peace pray for peace and you say i gotta pray for peace in this situation father there'll be peace between the family father your will will be done and you know once it goes once it starts going you know it's easy to pray once you have kind of a starting point um, that's something i've done a lot too 
and I'm just baffled by a situation. And I just, okay, how do I pray? <laughs> you know, it's, what do mm-hmm. I say? Um, mm-hmm. God's faithful. Holy Spirit cares. If you care, he cares. You know, nothing's too small for him. You stub your toe and it still hurts. God cares, you know, because you're still in pain. Um, so big or small, ask for help. God will help, you know, grow that that still small voice inside you to learn what it sounds like, learn how to hear it, learn how to listen to it. You know, it's hard at first. There's a lot of commotion. It's a lot of chaos in our heads. That's why a lot of people hear from God when they're taking a shower or in the bathroom, because those are moments when they're focused on one thing. They're not focused on everything else going around them outside of bills and children and, and school or work or, you know, dishes or, you know, cooking dinner or whatever. They're and it's a time that God can break through this, the, the, the chaos in the mind and just speak into the quietness. Mm, that's good. You know, so simple, but so wise and deep. It's like, just ask God what to pray sometimes. And uh, I'm uh, definitely going to incorporate that that more because a lot of times uh, we can let our schooling or our what we do know kind of get in the way of like what we should be doing where it's uh, it's like, hey, uh, good effort, but I would I rather would you have prayed for this in this situation. And uh, so, um, yeah, and there's times too where uh, kind of just touching back on if I feel <clears throat> I'm uh, kind of coming under attack, maybe, you know, intrusive thoughts or nasty things or whatever, as I just call God's fire against the spirit behind this or the spirit of X, Y, and Z, a fire on you, be gone in Jesus name. And sometimes I'll feel kind of uh, God's presence when I mention his fire. Um, not, and, and I'm being really sincere to, uh, for anybody that thinks um, that trying to be too spiritual or anything like that or whatever. Um, and not that I assume anybody is necessarily, but uh, I can, I can feel his presence on that. Um, but that's, that's really good. It, if you don't mind sharing real quick, uh, a story you shared with me before about how, uh, the Holy Spirit asked this guy when he was praying for this man, well, you didn't ask me what I what I wanted to do. And it had to do with it's the uh, guy in the wheelchair. Yeah, it had to do with the guy in the wheelchair. And of course, we know if you know anything, if you've done any kind of studying, you know, God's will is to heal. Jesus never went around putting sickness on nobody. But it was one of those what I call one percent situations where it's like, what, Lord, what? <laughs> what you, really? Because it, it doesn't follow what we think we know. Uh, or the generalized will of God, because it's such a specific situation that sometimes God may say something different other than what we uh, normally would expect to hear him say. And, and I would I would preference it by saying that it's always right to go against what you know is evil and stand for what you know God wants and let God speak in those situations, because you don't want to hold a... Uh, something with you know just just an off-the-hand situation that's specific to one person and let that become a stumbling block for a multitude of people right well said um but in this it was a book i read and it was i can't believe i can't remember if it was australia or africa but it was a, a priest a, a preacher um and it was his his kind of start um, he became well known in his area um for for healing and closeness for god he became a really well-known preacher in that area uh, but it was his early early days and he had just just started having a breakthrough and praying for people to be healed, and they were being healed, and people were rising. You know, right? he was praying for people who were dead, and they were rising from the dead. You know, he was in that initial space, 
And um, he was a pastor of a local church, and one of his his congregation members, um, her her husband started coming to church uh, after an accident. He was in a motorcycle accident, and he was paralyzed from the waist down. And um, and he he never really came to church before, but you know after the accident, he started coming with his wife, and, and became he was becoming a devout Christian. And uh, he went. Uh, this pastor went to their house and was like, and, and he and, and the pastor knew what the will of God was. Like this guy, man shouldn't be in a wheelchair, right? Um, God doesn't want him in the wheelchair. And so he goes to the house and says, "Brother, uh, I'm going to pray for you, and uh, God's going to heal, get you out of the wheelchair." And the guy says, "Praise God, let's do it." And the dude was sitting there, and he prayed for the dude for like an hour to two hours, and. Uh, you know, previous experiences and things that usually didn't take that long, you know, and nothing was happening. And uh, the pastor started getting angry with God. And he, he, he kind of mentally, you know, prayed to God, like, God, what's up? Like, why aren't you doing this? And the Holy Spirit pinged him and, and said, you haven't asked me, why not? <laughs> and says, okay, why aren't you healing this guy? And the Holy Spirit says, if I heal him, he'll go right back into the lifestyle he was leading before. Ask him what would happen if I heal him. And so the pastor is a little bit taken aback by that. And he looks at the guy in the wheelchair and he says, okay, so if God heals you, would you go back into your previous lifestyle? And and the, the guy was a biker and he, he you know was a druggie and, and womanizer and alcoholic and all of that. And uh, the, the guy in the wheelchair looks at him and says, you know, pastor, I probably would. I probably could just jump right back into it and give all of this up. And uh, the, <laughs> the pastor looked at him wow. and said, uh, well, because of that, God's not going to heal you. And the guy in the wheelchair said, I understand, <laughs> you know, wow. and um, it's it's one of those one off situations. Uh, it's a very specific situation. Um, anytime you see somebody, you should always pray for their healing. If, if they have an obvious, you know, disablement or issue, disease, handicap, but. Um, that was one situation, and the, the one of the few verses that run, comes to my mind on a situation like that was when Israel was on their their uh, war phase of things, and they were clearing out the promised land, and, and they were renowned and feared by all of the cities of giants and of men. Uh, and one of those cities schemed. They said the the, the children of God. Israel, they're at war, and we will surely fall. Let us send an envoy to them and um, bind them to a an oath on paper that they would not attack us, claiming we are a merchant city, this and that. You know, and it was through deception. So they go, and they go up to the the uh, Israel and to the soldiers, and they say, "Hey, we're so and so. We're merchants from uh, you know this this off city, and we're in this area. Um, we." Or uh, we we will become your servants. We will serve you uh, if you don't kill us. You know we 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 don't we're not against you. And Israel said okay. And Israel signed this document, essentially claiming that they will become servants for Israel, and that Israel and its armies would not destroy these people. And so Israel's going through. And clearing out the promised land, and they come up to a, a walled city, and it's an enemy city. It's a you know city that's that's evil and has evil false gods. And uh, the the king comes out and says, "Wait, wait! Before you attack us, you swore to us on oath through paper on the name of your God, you would not attack us." 
and uh, we never made such a claim. Um, and he hands them the document and they read it and they realize that they're bound to this, that they can't attack this, this city. Um, and they, you know, the, the prophet or, you know, whoever was leading the army at the time went and prayed to God and said, God, why didn't you, you know, warn us of this? And God responded, why didn't you ask if you should sign such an agreement? I would have told you in advance what they're doing and of their deception. You know, and it was, you know, kind of a similar thing, a little bit different of asking God if something seems off or not going right. You know, ask God, like, hey, what's up? <laughs> you know, like, well, should I do this? Is this wise? Yeah. You know, <laughs> mm-hmm. like check in with God. He may he may give you a word and and it changes the whole dynamic of what you're praying and what you're trying to do. Exactly. Yeah, that's good stuff. Uh, and I like how you preface that story uh, because that's that's something that, you know, it's easy for people to take. Well, I heard this one time, this situation. And so now I'm going to pray like that every time. <laughs> <laughs> that's not that's not what you should do. Always start with the will of God. And then if you're moving into uncharted waters, get a word from God and treat it accordingly. Don't take the 1% uncharted waters and, and start blasting that as, as the status quo. Cause that's, that'll get you into trouble. Exactly. But, um, okay. So we talked about taking authority over, you know, false teachings, uh, the presences, senses, uh, when you're feeling things, um, what would you say, and we can move on to the next note after this, if, <clears throat> excuse me, if somebody's dealing with maybe a recurring, uh, well, maybe we just answered it. If someone's dealing with a recurring situation, maybe just go to God and get a word about like, why, why is this battle on repeat or something? I guess that would be a good If idea. it's a repeating battle, you have to first do a self-inspection, right? Are you living in any areas of sin? In any areas that you are in rebellion to God and not submitting to God, right? Because remember, submit to God, resist the devil, he will flee. So if the devil's not fleeing, first you need to do a self-inspection and repent of any areas um, that you may be living in sin in. You know, and, and if you can't think of anything, ask the Holy Spirit too. Because there's there's sometimes, like when and me and JD were talking about this earlier, there's a lot of Christians um, that struggle with forgiveness, of others, but most Christians who do not struggle with forgiveness of others struggle with self-forgiveness, forgiving themselves of their mistakes. That's still unforgiveness. You have to forgive yourself just as much as you forgive other people, and that's that's kind of a a, a tricky one that the devil will use. You know, claiming he still has unforgiveness or she still has unforgiveness. Um, you know, but the Holy Spirit will bring things to your mind um, if that is the case, and you have to realize like. He's not looking at you in disgust if you're in sin. You know, he saw everything you have done, would do, and continue to do when he called you for salvation. And he accepted you willingly and still calls you. And it's just uh, another step in the relationship, however long it takes to overcome. He's never disappointed or upset or, you know, uh, angry with. It's, you know, it's he's more angry with a rebellious decision to spurn him and choose to live in sin he'd much rather you go to him and say i'm i'm doing this Uh, i want to do this i give it to you if you want me to stop you know that's something that he can work with and that's you know that's a very real prayer to pray if you're caught in you know if you're you're living premarital sex or you know addiction or smoking or whatever it is you know insert sin here 
you just keep going back to it and you enjoy doing it. Just tell God, hey, God, I'm doing this. I enjoy doing it. Um, I don't want to stop doing it. And it's up to you to, to help me to stop. I, I, I give it to you, you know, and that's that's a, a prayer. A lot of not a lot of Christians pray. They feel ashamed or scared to pray that prayer. But God already knows it and sees it. And what it is that what that is, that is submitting your heart in the midst of sin. Right. So you're in submission to God. You're acknowledging what you're doing is wrong and you're offering it up to him to change and not in it being in a state to change it yourself. And that's how you go from rebellion to submission. And once you get to submission, then you resist the enemy and he flees. Um, sometimes it could be, you know, a, a, another outside source, somebody in your household bringing something into the house, whether it's their own willful sin or, you know, sinful activity, lifestyle. The enemy has an end there. Um, and that's, you know, that's something where you can ask, yeah, God, what's going on? Is, is there something going on? You know, is there somebody else in the house bringing this in? It can be something as simple as even, um, you know, people will will uh, go overseas or to different places and and buy little trinkets and, and you know, tourist items, not realizing they're an idol or there's some sort of paganistic belief behind them. I had one with a dream catcher. You know, I had used to have a lot of nightmares. To me, a dream catcher, I had no idea what it stood for. It was, you know, just something pretty that I won at a contest and, you know, I have some Native American roots in me, so I was like, hey, cool. You know, I uh, didn't realize Dreamcatchers were a paganistic witch doctor thing that drove off evil spirits. You know, and as soon as I, I got rid of it, the nightmare stopped, you know. Mm. Um, it can be something like that. And the way I found that out is the Holy Spirit. I said, Holy Spirit, why? Why am I keep having nightmares? And I looked at the Dreamcatcher and he said, there it is. And wow. I Googled it. And I learned about it, and I said, "Oh, this is a pagan pagan idol, essentially. I'm going to get rid of that." So, hmm. if you if you you know if you're in a situation where things keep happening in a specific area of the house, they don't happen in other areas of the house. Uh, something a story I have with that is uh, um, my pastors. They uh, when they bought their their current house they live in um, early on, they get into some of the worst knockout drag out fights of their life in a specific area and they never fought like that before they moved into the house and if they were in other places of the house they would never fight it was just in that one area and the spirit revealed to them that there was some sort of taint in that specific area something bad happened in that area and they blessed the house and then the fight stopped you know so there's not really a uh a, a you know step-by-step -step method um, spiritual warfare is very fluid the enemy changes his tactics and the Holy Spirit responds accordingly and we have to be open and, and available to hear from the Holy Spirit so if you're going through rep, rep, uh, repetitive attacks ask God ask the Holy Spirit what's going on uh, he may not directly tell you like oh it's this um, he may send a book or he might send somebody to the church and they, hey, I, I bless houses, you know, oh, I need my house blessed, you know, or something. He'll, he'll bring some sort of outside influence to help cue you in on what's going on. Um, that's one of the other ways he, he speaks, you know, is through other people. Hmm, that's good, man. I, I appreciate that. And uh, shout out to anybody out there that has a house blessing 
ministry that's that's needed these days uh becoming more and more apparent where people move into a house that's haunted or just like you said like uh some sort of taint tainting in the spirit where it still holds an effect because of what was um what was invoked by things people did and open doors and it's you know most a lot of people are uh, spiritually uninformed and so when you do that uh, you, you go into a place you're uh, you're gonna get uh, affected by what's what's there so that, that's pretty good yeah. so that's a good call to anoint your house <laughs> my parents were given uh, elephants uh, bedazzled elephant from some co-workers who were from India that they picked up they were friends with these co-workers and their co-workers went to India to visit family and came back with some gifts for friends and family they gave my parents the set of elephants like that um, and uh, my parents didn't realize that those were idols, uh, that my coworkers really knew that, um, and things were happening around that, that area, and we got rid of them uh, through a house blessing. Uh, it stopped. Um, and, you know, uh, to, to kind of get into the, the, the spiritual science behind that, there's things called anchor points. Um, it's their um, doorways or portals or, or entry points for spiritual things to come through. Uh, think of like a back door. Uh, get around the, you know, get around the defenses and get through a back door to get into the house. Um, and it's, you know, we can sanctify those things and make them blessed and get rid of any, any curse. But there's action behind that to do that. And it can't, it's not just an item. Um, you know, it could be a room where somebody was beaten or molested or killed or you know there could be really just really bad blood in an area that just tainted it through evil and malice and some sort of demonic presence in the past that lingers you know and created some sort of anchor point there for that um, which would be the case for my pastor and his wife there's whatever happened in that kitchen in the past before they owned the home was pretty bad and it caused an issue um, in that area um, and you know, there's angelic anchor points too. When somebody goes and blesses the house and they take anointing oil and they're anointing the doors and the windows and they're proclaiming blessings and, and angel, angelic guards and postings and rebuking the enemy and declaring doorways for only angelic and heavenly beings to enter through all that. Those are anchor points too. And they're essentially just stationing angels around those points to guard the house. And to stand at, at you know, as, as patrol and make sure nothing evil comes in. Um, you know, the same thing when people go and bless property and they they, they, uh, they anoint wooden stakes and they proclaim blessings over these stakes and they stake the corners of the property. Those are anchor points. You know, it's just it's a it's a contact point of faith, or, you know, that allows faith to be tied into something that allows the kingdom of heaven to intervene. Uh, very interesting man really good stuff and uh yeah i know i've i've blessed the home and anointed rooms and, and things like that and, uh, and there's a time for it for sure um so we you know we talked about getting your confidence embracing the clash embracing the the battle with the enemy and uh just taking scripture for what it says uh rebuking and not paying attention to any yeah but voices um you know, lots of good things tonight. Uh, is there anything we haven't covered yet that we were going to on this episode? Nothing that comes to mind. Okay. 
really good stuff well uh if there's no if there's nothing else uh on your mind or something that uh you can you can feel free to jump in if something does come to mind but we could probably uh maybe end with the prayer and blessing and call it uh, another good episode sounds good okay well lord thank you again for this time and we pray these things that were said will be uh, help and encouragement i know it's encouraged me and uh, garrett and we just pray god that this would have uh, manifold blessings to those that listen let it help and we pray uh, your perfect will be done help us to hear you more father when we seek you help us to hear what you're saying to to get that word when we need a word from you help us to really discern what you're saying father god and not not remain in a place of ignorance or a place where we just um don't know what's going on lord let us let us mature let us grow spiritually so we can walk in the victory and a great the greater measure of your will that you have for our lives we thank you and bless you in jesus name amen Amen.